Well, hey, everybody. How's everybody doing today? I am super excited about what we're going to be getting into today. Um, a couple different things that I want to keep you aware of. Obviously, you're, you're realizing that I'm not going live from Facebook. So um, I went live early and I want to give you plenty of time to get on. I think it's going to take us a little bit of time um, to get you guys caught up with this, but I wanted to do and start recording and, and capturing and keeping all these in one place. So I'm going to start streaming from the YouTube page instead of just Facebook. And so I wanted to, uh, this was the perfect time to start that. Um, I'm also getting some new equipment. So you're probably going to be noticing, I'm hoping you're going to notice a little bit better quality jump, both in the audio and the video. Hopefully it just makes it a little bit easier. Um, eventually I will get this set up to where I can share notes and I can uh, put all of those things on the screen. Um, I just got the equipment today. So this is a test trial, a test run. Um, so uh, if, if you are experiencing any difficulty and you're, um, if you're having any trouble with this, just, just let me know on the, the comment feed. You can all comment on the feed over on the, uh, I think it's on the right hand side in YouTube, so it's a little different than um, it's a little different than than usual uh, than what you're used to on Facebook. But um, also want to let you know that if you have not uh, let me know that you're here today, I want to take an opportunity for you to uh, put your name in the comment feed so that I know that you're watching and that you're following along with me. Now, um, a couple other new things that uh, that you need to be aware of. I will still take questions. Now you do that in the comment feed um, on YouTube and not on Facebook. There are going to probably be a lot of questions as we process through the book of Revelation. I get that. That's going to be great. I am uh, going to try my best to communicate um, as much information in the shortest amount of time while allowing us time to do Q&A. And, and I will probably, um, I have not decided this for sure yet, but I will most likely do Q&A um, I, I will most likely do Q and A at, at maybe after we're done. Maybe I'll take some time and do extra episodes with with uh, with this to to, pro to cover some of the questions and answers because I want to honor the time. I think the information is going to be a lot in the time that we're given. Um, so I just wanted to let you know that. Also, I want to let you know I'm probably going to be a little more note locked. So if you see me looking down a lot more, that's because I'm trying to get my notes and make sure that I'm communicating everything that. Um, everything that I want to communicate with this. Um, and then um, also you're going to see me looking off to the left here. All of this is brand new. And so I'm trying to make sure the stream's going and I'm just trying to see if you guys sign on and you're logging on and I don't have my setup perfect yet. So um, if it changes a little bit, you'll know what's happening. So, but uh, I'll be looking off to the left here for the most part. If you're looking to find these on a regular basis, subscribe to the Tree Church channel YouTube page. If you do that, you'll get a notification every time I go live on, on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, I'm actually going to be probably still doing prayer time. Um, I haven't decided yet if I'll do prayer time on Facebook or if I'll do it on YouTube. Most likely to keep everything consistent, I'll switch over everything over to YouTube and then we'll go from there on that. All right. Now, that's a lot of setup information to get us going with uh, today's study. And we are going to be spending the next 16 episodes processing through the book of Revelation. We're going to be spending time studying um, what, it, what, it try, what it has to say to us and how we should read it and, 
and all the different uh, fun and interesting and, and just really weird things that, that one experiences in reading the book of Revelation. I think it's pertinent to our time. And I think there's a lot of uh, things that we need to correct and address as we read the book. And so we need to, to change how we think about the book of Revelation. And in the end, I think it's going to be a blessing, or at least I hope it's going to be a blessing to you and to our church and to, um, to all of us as we, dive into, uh, as we dive into the book of Revelation. Now, uh, here, I just want to kind of go through some things as we uh, get going. First of all, I need to give credit where credit is due. I am uh, I'm going to be dependent on a few different resources through this study. The first one is a book by Michael Gorman called uh, Reading Revelation Responsibly, Uncivil Worship and Witness Following the Lamb into the New Creation. It is um, it is the book that I've been studying and and really reading as I go through this. Really shapes a lot of the way that I read the book read the book of Revelation, and uh, I really love his his outlook on it. Second is Reverse Thunder by Eugene Peterson. Also amazing book, and um, I, I'm not through all of them, uh, both of them completely yet. But they really do give you a good picture of how to read and understand and look at the book of Revelation. Also, the Bible Project, uh, their their work on uh, reading Apocalypse is is um, highly beneficial and highly influential in how I view and read the book of Revelation. I'm going to put links to all of this um, of, in the comment feed for so that it's available for you later on, or uh, I'll share links with it later on on Facebook and on YouTube so that you can, or in the show notes on YouTube so that you can grab those resources. And then lastly, um, Professor Jan Fakes uh, from Fuller Seminary. He's an adjunct professor, of, uh, and I think he teaches New Testament, and I think he teaches uh, biblical um, uh, interpretation, I think is the name of the class. That's what I had him for, was biblical interpretation, and he did his dissertation on the book of Revelation, and particularly the role of Isaiah in the book of Revelation. So uh, that's one thing that we're going to cover that I think is going to be interesting to you, the depth of Old Testament that's found in the book of Revelation. So um, now that I've got the credits out there, I just want to make sure that you know um, I'm not pulling this stuff out of my hat. I'm not just kind of guessing and, and, and going with it, nor am I smart enough to come up with all of this information myself. So I um, want to do that before we get going. Now, um, Today is going to feel like a lot of setup, and it is. And we're actually going to break today and tomorrow into uh, two different parts, and this is going to be the introductory. And I just kind of want to give you some expectations of what uh, what we're going to do with this study and what we're not going to do. First, uh, we are not going to be doing a word-for-word -word study of Revelation. Um, I have 16 episodes to get through the entire book, so that really is not a, enough time uh, to process it and break it down verse by verse. We are going to be looking at chunks of passages at a time. We'll be looking at major themes. We'll be looking at different uh, developing ideas in Revelation, but we're not going to be able just to break it down uh, verse at a time. The next thing that we're going to be do not doing is um, we're not going to answer every question and cover every eventuality with the book of Revelation. Obviously, I'm going to answer your questions that you have or do the best that I can to do that, but um, what I, I'm not going to be able to do is um, is to is to go into every single small detail because there's such a vast history with this book. The third thing, 
we will not know everything about Revelation when we're done with this study. I promise you. I promise you that as I study, I will not know, even if I continue to study it for the rest of my life, I will not know all the details about this book. But I'm hoping that it will give us the, the, the kickstart to really want to spend time reading it, studying it, and finding out more what God has to say to his church. All right. What you can't expect. I expected you were going to walk away from this study feeling more confident, ready to read, and, and, and understand uh, Revelation more. Um, I hope that you understand more of the complexities and difficulties that, that we face with the book um, so that you have a better understanding and a better way to approach uh, Revelation. I hope that uh, I hope to give you good resources that will help you explore it in greater detail on your own time. And I hope that um, it will do what it was always meant to do. And that is to call us into a deeper love of Christ and a deeper faithfulness and a deeper um, worship and to encourage us not to compromise our faith, no matter what the cost. That is going to be a major theme of the book of Revelation. And you're, you're going to hear me talk about it time and time again. Tomorrow, we're actually going to talk about more of the major themes, but uh, you're going to hear me time and time again talk about, uh, talk about these two main themes, the worship of Jesus, loyalty to Jesus, trust and faith in Jesus, and also um, um, not compromising on our, on our faith in Christ. And so that is really the predominance of, of revelation. Now, uh, today I want to spend most of the time going through some of the difficulties that we face when reading revelation. Um, this book has been, um, kicked around and, um, it, it has been oftentimes, Excluded from from the canon of scripture, at times it's been included in the canon of scripture. At times, commentators have really just disliked this book. Other times, commentators love this book. And so, the 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 history that Revelation has is one of difficulty. It's one of kind of mystery, and um, and so it creates some. And the way that it's written and the way that it's communicated um, is oftentimes difficult for us in modern day times. And there's a couple different reasons why that is, and that's really want to, what I want to cover today. So um, I want to start with just some, some of those difficulties. And the first thing that I think we need to really address is our preconceived ideas of what an apocalypse is. Now, most of us, when we think about apocalypse, we think in Mad Max, or we're thinking the Terminator, we're thinking end of the world type stuff. Now, that is the image... That's the imagery that our culture kind of grabbed onto apocalypse. It's kind of that end of all things. Now, that is not what the word apocalypse means when we're reading the New Testament. Um, so as we read the New Testament, anytime you see the word revelation or you see you, you maybe you look at Greek in a linear and you see the word apocalypse or um, and, and I'm, I'd be terrible to try to tell you the exact Greek rendering of it. But essentially, it just means this. It means revealing. It's a pulling back of the curtain of something that was hidden so that – and really what it is is it's a, it's a type of literature that gives us a new way to look at the world. When Paul was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians, he was going one direction, and then Jesus appeared to him, and the veil was torn from his eyes, 
And he saw Jesus not as a heretic, not as a liar. He saw Jesus as the risen son of Christ, uh, of God. And so Paul's life changed. He had an apocalypse. His, the, the, Jesus was revealed to him for who he truly was and what he truly was about. So that is an example of an apocalypse. And there's all kinds of apocalyptic revealing literature in uh, the Bible and outside of the Bible. The Valley of Dry Bones in Ezekiel is oftentimes considered apocalyptic. Daniel 7, um, with the, the vision of the Son of Man, is apocalyptic. Uh, one of the apocryphal books, which is the books that really kind of fall in between, some, ver uh, some denominations actually consider the apocryphal books to be canonized, some do not. Most Protestant denominations do not consider the apocrypha to be um, to be scripture. And um, actually, the, the, the Jewish people do not consider it to be scripture, though they are very highly valued in Jewish literature. And so these kind of have always come in tandem with the Bible. But uh, for Ezra is actually an apocryphal book. And, and, and essentially what you're thinking about and what you're hearing and what you're looking at when you hear the word apocrypha, it, it's this language of imagery and po poet poetics and all these different um, ways of enlightening or not, of revealing a truth um, in a way that we've never seen it before. So um, when we come to the book of Revelation, the, the word in Greek is actually apocalypsis. And so um, the revelation of Jesus Christ is the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. So it's Jesus revealing himself to his church through the apostle John. And so he's giving a new, um, and so this is what apocalypse is. So when we approach uh, Revelation, what we have to realize is, is not everything is about the end times. It doesn't necessarily automatically mean it's about the end times. It means that, that Jesus Christ is revealing something about himself through uh, the Apostle John, who, or, or, or when we'll talk about the author here in a little bit or sometime later, but through John, who wrote, um, who wrote the uh, book, and and they are trying to get the the believers who would have heard this book read to open their minds to see Jesus and to see their everyday lives in a new way. We also the second thing that we need to adjust is our preconceived ideas of prophecy. A lot of times, what we think about when we hear prophecy, we're thinking future predictions. So we're thinking like Notre Dame or fortune tellers. Um, but really, that is not what biblical prophecy is. Biblical prophecy is both encouragement and its challenge. It does contain future elements. It, it does have some futuristic prediction elements to it. But even in that, the predominant purpose is to encourage and to challenge. And so when you see an Old Testament prophet stand up and say, repent, they are not necessarily predicting the future. They are trying to get Israel or the people that they're talking to to respond in a certain way. They want them to, to uh, change their behavior, and they want them to walk in a different direction. And so prophecy is a big part of Revelation. But if we have this idea that it's all about uh, predicting the future, we, we might get misguided and lost in that. And so um, it does contain futuristic elements. But predominantly, prophecy and revelation and throughout the rest of the Bible is, is mostly about calling people 
to, uh, to be encouraged and calling people to be challenged and to change. So just we have to keep that in mind as we're reading um, the book of Revelation. Another thing that we need to be aware of is the amount of poetic Im imagery and symbolism in the book of Revelation. If Revelation is meant to reveal and give us new sight, why did they use so why did John use so many symbols and so much imagery? Well, the main reason is is that John assumes that the people that are reading his his book, they they know what he's talking about. He didn't give a, an, an index or a key for this because he assumed that the people that he was writing to in the first century would have known exactly who he was talking about and what he was referencing. And, and so we're not given that privilege of, of understanding um, the type of literature that John wrote in. We're not given the, the privilege or, or being familiar, I should say. We're aware of it, but we're not familiar, like comfortable with it. Um, we're also um, working on the assumption, John's working on the assumption that the, his audience is very familiar with the Old Testament. John assumes that, that the uh, reader of or the, the listener of his book is going to catch the allusions and the references to the Old Testament that he fills the book of Revelation with. There are 518 references to Old Testament scripture. So John is very much relying on both the symbolism, the imagery, and, and the, the kind of the, the poetical style of the Old Testament. And so we are going to be very much better off if we're, if we're, and we're going to be able to understand the images and symbols a little bit more if we realize that he is using Old Testament imagery to communicate something that the Old Testament was trying to communicate. And so we'll take a look at those things in more detail. Um, and so John makes a lot of allusions to the Old Testament, and it makes perfect sense to his first century audience. But we're not them. And, and like I said, we're accustomed to more pretty straightforward writing. If we want to reveal something to someone, we make it more clear. We don't use poetic flowery language. But in John's time, if we wanted to communicate something and get someone to think about something in a different way, it was the use of imagery. It was the use of poetry. And, and, and John was not just communicating information. That's, that's really big for you to understand. He's not just communicating information. He is trying to get you to experience what he's saying and experience what he's communicating in every single way. And so he uses this imagery and this poetry to awaken your sense of imagination, the, the feelings that you might have that are invoked by hearing about a red dragon and, and, and about a harlot and, and all these different images that John uses. Um, Eugene Peterson, one of the books that I referenced was Reverse Thunder. Eugene Peterson, he says this and that. He says, I read Revelation not to get more information, but to revive my imagination. And if you've ever read Eugene Peterson stuff, you know that he, he focuses a lot on, on poetry and on, on the poetics of Scripture. And so um, he says that, that reading Revelation was never about gaining more information. It was about seeing things in a different way and experiencing them in a different way and using your imagination to to fuel your worship and to fuel your love for Jesus. And so Revelation is full of imagery and symbolism. And, and we have to do, we, we always have to be aware that, that what we're reading could 
can't possibly not be meant to be taken literally because John is using a symbol. John is using an image. Um, and, th and that is just something that comes with um, recognizing and being able to recognize when he's saying something literally to the church, but when he's using um, poetic imagery to communicate something that's meant to be read figuratively and to get a meaning out of it. And so, and, and I want you to hear something from me. If you're of the mind where, where all of the Bible is meant to be read literally, it is not uh, demeaning to the scripture at all to read the Bible in the way that it was intended to be read. John meant for these images to represent something. And so we, uh, we are faithful to the scripture when we recognize that, that John is referring to something. He's trying to paint a picture of something, and, and, and he's not necessarily meaning that there will be a literal um, uh, dragon that rises out of the sea. So um, uh, one of the things that and, – and so I guess the next step here is, is, is that, that I want to talk about is, so how do we figure out what that imagery means and what it, what it looks like? Well, here's what I would say. That imagery, uh, a lot of the scholar, uh, scholars have done a really good job of kind of landing what that is. There's another book that I'm hoping to get and kind of help uh, along with the, with the, the biblical imagery and, and kind of what John is talking about, some of these things. But the, the Michael Gorman book does a really good job of kind of laying out what those things are. And as we get into the book, we'll talk more about what, uh, what some of those things mean. Now, lastly, um, the last thing that I want to talk about today before we get going, and this is going to take us a little bit of time. So it looks like I'm already running up about 21 minutes. Um, so this one is going to go a little bit long, but I, I'm going to wrap it up here in the next four or five minutes. But the last thing I want to talk about is it, the difficult with one of or with the difficulties that we face when reading Revelation is the amount of ways that people have approached the book in the past. There are a lot of ways that people have read the book of Revelation. Now, there are really five predominant ways that we, we see most common today, but, but people have approached Revelation with, with some, some really far out there ideas. There, uh, some people approach Revelation so dry and stripped so much of the poetry and the imagery off of it and made it just a historical literature book. Um, and, and honestly, both of those approaches really miss the heart of what Revelation is. And, and our goal is to read it in such a way that we catch the heart of what John was trying to communicate to his church because I believe that it's applicable for us today as the church living in the 21st century. So what are some of the ways that uh, the script that Revelation has been read? And see if you can identify ways in which you've read this in the past. I'm going to talk about some of the good things that, that, that these approaches have, some of the bad things, and um, I'll kind of give my explanation of, of kind of where I'm going to be coming from at the end of this. The first approach that many people take, and this is probably, I would say, the most popular approach in American Christianity, is the predictive uh, approach or the future approach. And, and this is approaching the book of Revelation as kind of a blueprint for the end times. Now, um, this, the, the common kind of mindset when approaching the Bible or the book of Revelation this way is that Revelation is a code to be cracked instead of a lens to be viewed um, to, to view life and in, in the times with. Um, and so when we're looking at Revelation as a future thing, we're often trying to determine eschatology. 
And, and really, apocalypse is not the thing of the end times, though apocalypse and eschatology kind of go hand to hand at times. Eschatology is really the study of end, is, is the word that kind of indicates the study of end times. And so we, we at times will treat Revelation as a blueprint for the end times. Um, a lot of the popular, this, the, the most popular way of, or kind of um, technical theological term that you hear around this is dispensationalism. And, and, and dispensationalism really ties down um, the book of Revelation to kind of revealing the seven, diff the seven different periods of church history. I have not studied dispensationalism a whole lot. I don't understand it, uh, all, all the ins and outs of it, but it was really popularized by, uh, by Darby in the uh, late 1800s, uh, the Schofield Bible, Hal Lindsey, the Left Behind series, Tim LaHaye. The, those type of readings and th that type of literature really focuses on the future, the futuristic reading of Revelation. The issue with this and the problems that, that we can face when we read it strictly from a, a futuristic um, place is it, it, it does end up allowing or getting us focused on a lot of things that are really simply conjecture wrapped in biblical language. Um, we, we start to interpret a lot of prophecies in, into the things that we see around us. And it's all great and good to, to be aware and to be looking for um, ways in which the Bible is playing out in our day. But oftentimes it leads us to, to simply to, to, to come up with these ideas that, that may or may not be true. And, and so we've got to be careful with that. Some other things that, that, that are consequences of, um, of, future, of the futuristic approach is, is oftentimes misapplied political conclusions are a product of this. Um, we, we will see nations and, and countries in, written into the Bible that, that are not there. Um, I don't know that John had in mind the um, that John had in mind the United States when he was writing the Book of Revelation. Who he was worried about, he was definitely worried about his churches, the, the seven churches that he's writing to, um, in the first century. So we can talk about what that looks like and, and whether or not the United States is in the Book of Revelation and and so forth and so on. But if we if we read things into it that are not there, we have to be careful. Uh, Another thing, another problem with, with reading strictly in the futuristic tense is that um, those that have tried to read it this way have really focused on uh, claiming that the end times were going to happen in their time period. Now, here's what I want to say about that. Every generation is called to look uh, for the coming of Christ. It's our hope. It's what we anticipate. It's what we long for. But when it branches into claiming that this passage of Scripture means about this, Again, it goes back to conjecture, so we have to be careful. It often reads, um, it often leads us to read symbolism uh, literally when it's not intended to be read literally, and, and and in the end, it turns the Book of Revelation into something that um, it's something that's to be decoded and something to be um, to 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 be found out the secret and the mystery to almost treated like Gnosticism. To where um, once we gain the secret knowledge, then we know. But in reality, when we focus on that alone, we miss really the heart that's behind Revelation, in my personal opinion. Is there futuristic prophecy in the book of Revelation? I think the end of Revelation paints a beautiful picture of, of the future hope that the church has. And so I think there is future things 
in the book of Revelation. I just don't think it's the predominant thing. Um, now, another way of reading it is called the, the preterist style of approaching Revelation. And this is, this is a, a, an approach that focuses solely on the past. So it views Revelation in its first century context, and it, it only thinks that Revelation is, has something to say to the first century audience that John wrote to. And so the preterist approach really wants to leave Revelation in the past. Um, it, it wants to focus on how the first century church interpreted the symbolism and the, the metaphors and all that, that was involved with that and how they would have read it. And it wants to leave it there. It views Revelation simply as literature to be explored and to be studied. But the problem with this is it leaves Revelation in the first century. Let me go jump back here a second. The good about this is it does a lot of study and gets us to our starting place. We need to understand how the first century church, or at least in best we're able, to understand how the first century church read and understood Revelation. If we don't, we are starting from our own vantage point. And, and here's the problem. We will not understand what the book says if we don't first take a step back and try to at least look at the first century applications, first century intentions, and the first century ways of reading and understanding the book. So it benefits us in that way. The preterist approach does not benefit us, benefit us in the fact that it leaves um, leaves Revelation in the past. So um, we, I believe and we believe that Revelation has something to say to the 21st century church. Then there is the idealistic approach or the poetic approach to, to um, Revelation. And this essentially says that Revelation, because Revelation uses po poetic language to teach truths and ideals um, that are timeless. And so this is getting us closer to where we want to be. We want to understand what the first century understood. We want to know what it's saying. We want to know the truths that God was teaching in it. And, and the poetic approach gets us to the place where um, it says that they're, they're what the most ideal way to read it is, is to see it all as imagery and metaphor and to mine the theological truths out of it. Um, and so the good of this is that it really helps us to focus on the messages that John was trying to communicate to his churches in the first century. And, and, and what it does is it, it has helped us to really um, figure out ways to apply those truths to our lives in the 21st century. So that's a good thing. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to accomplish with the book of Revelation. The, 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 the part of, of just grabbing onto just the idealistic way of reading is simply this. The, there is a negative side to it. It can become kind of a reactionary in to the futuristic approach. It so allegorizes and poeticizes revelation that it doesn't see um, any future call to, to God's return and, and so into um, and to the things that Jesus has in store for the future of the church. Clear promises we see in revelation. And, and so if we just focus on that, that poetical approach, we're going to miss um we're going to miss the futuristic elements of Revelation. And then lastly, the last two, and I realize I'm at 31 minutes. I am so sorry. Um, the last two ways that we can approach it are politically and pastorally. And essentially, these two ways of approaching Revelation is that 
Revelation has something to say to our political systems and, and structures in our day and age. It did it in the first century, and it does today. And then John had something to say pastorally to his churches, and he has something to say pastorally to our churches today. And so here's my, my place with, with where I land on reading Revelation. I think we need to uh, approach the book of Revelation open and, 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 honest, and honestly looking at each of these approaches and at least allowing each of these approaches to kind of feed into how we read it. I'll be honest, I, I do not read the book of Revelation with a strict futurist um, mindset. I would say that I focus more on the, the poetical, the political, and the pastoral side of it. Now that said, I or in the and um, and with the help of the preterist, and with the help of the futuristic. So if there's a grid, if you lay an X and Y grid out, and um, the futurist is one, at one end and the preterist at the other end, and um, the 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 Bible is as is or excuse me, the Book of Revelation is viewed as a code versus it's a um, a lens with which we view Scripture or uh, view the book and can view our church and our, our time period, then I would say I'm probably more towards the center and, and towards the bottom of that than I am. And I'll provide an image that will kind of better explain it. I think Revelation is a book that we need to approach and we need to use it as a lens with which to learn how to approach um, the topics that John was, was dealing with in his time. John was um, approaching Revel, uh, John was approaching his churches who were facing extreme persecution, who were, who were facing um, the, the temptation to accommodate their lives and their faith to the culture around them. John is calling to worship Jesus, to love Jesus, and to follow Jesus. And, and what he puts in this book is that, is that call. He does that by giving some futuristic elements that 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 will uh, kind of be the carrot for the horse, where he says, remember, Christ is coming back for you. And so we need to be aware that that is something that, that um, is, is, is promised to the believer. But we also need to look first and foremost at the truths that John wants to communicate to, to us, to, in our culture, in our church, as we experience our social and political structures around us, and, and, and it will help us to navigate um, our culture and our time and, and do it in a way where we celebrate who Jesus is as the king of the universe, as we dedicate our lives to him, and as we grow in our faith and love and witness to Christ. I am super excited to get into this. I've been anticipating this for a long time, and um, I know that you have a lot of questions. I don't see anybody saying hello in the in the live chat feed. So I'm hoping that um, because this is the first time, I am going to post this on Facebook and um, you can put your comments in that, that Facebook post. And then um, hopefully I'll be able to answer some of your questions there. All right. Well, guys, thanks so much for being with me today. I, I hope that you're excited as I am. Um, I probably said some things that might've challenged the way that you think about Revelation. Good. I, I hope that it challenges you. As you ask questions, it's going to challenge me, and I hope that together we can explore and grow and anticipate what God wants to say to us through the book of Revelation. All right, guys. See you later.